Welcome to the new healthcare economy where everyone wins for a change. Employers, consumers, primary care physicians, outcomes, shareholders, even our communities all win with costs dropping 20 to 60%. This unstoppable direct contracting movement bypasses the big middles with their crooked game boards, devious rule book, rigged dice, and purchased referees. I'm Rob Barshop, and I'm glad you're here. All right, this is from Time Magazine this week. I'm going to quote it a little bit here. The U.S. now spends more than $4 trillion a year on health care. That's nearly 20% of GDP. Yet the life expectancy lags dozens of other nations, including Portugal, Slovenia, and Turkey, by as much as seven years. If trends continue, we will drop to 64th in the world in life expectancy by 2040, though we continue to spend significantly more per capita than any other. Now, Time Magazine is now begging in this article for hospitals to spend 2%, like Kaiser Permanente, which is building for-profit affordable housing of 50,000 units, mostly in California. And this is a pipe dream of Time Magazine editors. Instead, maybe a national magazine could have shown a spotlight on the eight national firms that are offering direct primary care and advanced primary care and virtual primary care to tens of millions of members, another 20 regionals. They're all growing to meet employers who are demanding more and sick and tired and fed up with the factory medicine rat race. So why does the national press ignore this fix, which slashes costs 20 to 60%, which today's guests will verify, and outcomes improve measurably for the members? And white coats are showing literally zero burnout. And it serves the poor and the well-heeled consumers equally. Shareholders and communities win too. Independent surgeries, imaging, pharmacies, and specialists round out the ecosystem. We have a moon landing, Houston. The model is unstoppable because it is fueled by the pain, and literally everybody is winning. Quite a one-two punch. More here on this show if you want to meet the leaders like today's guests. The change makers, the disruptors, the thought leaders. It's a big tent fixing all this brokenness. All right, so let me introduce you to another healthcare hero, Dr. Mark Potts, who is the recently former and superintendent of Ashtabula Area Schools. Now, Ashtabula is just northeast of Cleveland, and the district health plan was facing a deficit over budget after nonstop double-digit bumps annually. And under his leadership, they immediately saved year one 20% of the cost by direct contracting all of their healthcare out. And the city soon followed, and other districts are now hiring Mark. Since he retired seven months ago, he has started transformational consulting, and his mission is to bring this model to other public entities around the country. He's now shepherding school districts and other public entities to this healthcare plan that will produce better outcomes for their employees at a substantial savings. Dr. Potts is also an adjunct professor of the local university, and he has four kids that got married this year. Mark, should I say I'm sorry or I'm happy for you? <laughs> um, it's hard to say, but no, it was all, they were all good ones though. So, but thank you, Ron. Okay. Yeah. The, the happiest day as a father was when 10 fingers, 10 toes was a pretty good day. And then the day they married uh, a really fine person that I really love. So uh, those are, those are two happy days. So congratulations on that. Thank you so much. 
Well, Mark, let's talk about Ashtabula. Um, you came on board and you were kind of in crisis mode day one. Tell us a little bit about what you faced and what is the first thing you did to start addressing the problem? Yeah, well, I, I came on in um, early 2018 as superintendent, uh, actually in the middle of the year and um, in February of 2018. And, you know, things were things were moving along. As I was learning, we were changing programming. We were making all kinds of changes. But we failed a levy in the fall of 2019. And uh, in our community, we hadn't passed a new, you know, new money levy. We had renewals, but we hadn't passed a new money levy since uh, 2000. So it had been almost 20 years. And um, so there wasn't a lot of fat to be trimmed anymore. Um, it was one of those things where every year you just try to tighten the belt one more notch, one more notch. Well, you know, eventually you can't really run a real good program. If you, you know, it costs a certain amount of money to run a quality program. So we passed, uh, we tried to pass a levy and it failed in November. Well, then um, sometime shortly after that, because I was, had my ears perked up for ways we could save money for the following year um, and avoid all the cuts we could make. I was at a conference and heard a superintendent talking about their prescription rebate. And uh, I was unfamiliar with that. So I checked to see what our prescription rebate was with our with our CFO, who very knowledgeable man. And um, he, you know, he didn't know either. So we tried to get to the bottom of it. And uh, we really couldn't get a straight answer from our, at the time, trusted broker of over a dozen years. What we found out then was uh, that, that really we, we should have been getting about $400,000 a year back on our prescription rebates. So because we were going to be looking at cut mode, I wasn't very happy about that. And so that was the impetus for us to look into something, to doing something else, was because I was angry and I kind of had lost trust with our, uh, with our previously trusted broker. How did you find somebody to find your way to the next lily pad? As it worked out, our, our CFO uh, knew a guy named Bryce Heinbaugh, who was local and was a health Rosetta advisor, uh, something I really wasn't even familiar with. And so we, uh, we brought him in really to kind of get to the bottom and find out you know, if they're keeping $400,000 of prescription rebates we didn't know about, what else are they keeping? You know, then I, st I just really didn't trust them at that point. We thought they were pretty well paid as is. And then we found that they were keeping another $400,000 per year that we didn't know about. And, and I'm sure in the 83-page contract, there was a clause in there somewhere that allowed it. I'm not, I'm not implying they did something illegal. But um, to me, it was, uh, it was really frustrating that we were looking at making cuts, that people were going to lose their jobs, that we were going to cut programming that was good for kids. And in the meantime, here's our brokers. We're, you know, pulling all this money out that we didn't even know they were taking. So, uh, so Bryce came in and we looked at what our options were. He got our attention when he started, you know, when he started running numbers by us. Was he showing you just the medication numbers or was he showing you engaging in the direct ecosystem? How, how, how did he present the case that, yeah, and initially, initially it was a prescription numbers, and uh, so we told our broker that uh, we were going to use somebody else for prescriptions because they, you know, I felt they'd betrayed our trust, and um, they said, well, if if you're going to use someone else for prescriptions, we're going to walk, and then you know I get to worry that you know this will be the end of your career, this you know all this kind of stuff. Well, we, you know, we decided to let them walk, and um, and and so then Bryce came in with with the new program but really what we did ron uh, because we had a collective bargaining agreement because uh, we're uh, union state up here 
we allowed them to keep what was collectively bargained. We didn't really have any choice. That was the law. So they kept what was collectively bargained. And then we laid out a Health Rosetta style plan side by side with it and allowed them to choose between the two. And uh, the Health Rosetta plan, you know, we can get into some of the details of that. But that was with a direct primary care doctor at the facility, a nurse navigation system. Um, we had direct contracting with people. We sent people to the highest rated physician or facility uh, for whatever it is that they needed. You know, those are some of the key components of that. And uh, we did that for zero out of pocket for them. Even their prescriptions were zero out of pocket. So um, needless to say, you know, even with the union mistrusting that the management was changing their healthcare plan, because I'm sure that, you know, that it, you know, historically, maybe that hasn't been uh, good for unions, but uh, we started off with only 30% enrolling in the new plan. Uh, by the end of the year, it had, it had risen to 50. But um, like you mentioned in the beginning, it was almost a 21% overall savings. It was over 20%. It was $2.4 million. Um, and in the end, that was actually more money than the levy would have generated for us had the levy passed. And you only had 50% participation. You could have technically or theoretically saved a lot more than $2.4 million if you had 100% participation, right? Oh, yeah. So, so if you just take those numbers, it would have been more like a 40% savings, uh, which I do believe is possible for public entities. Okay. Um, and, um, so that, yeah, so we, you know, like I said, we, we gave them a choice because one, we didn't really have the option to take away what they had bargained. And second of all, some of the people just wanted, they were, they were okay with paying their deductible and paying their copay and going to the same doctor they've been going to for 20 years. And, and so some people decided to, you know, that that's what they wanted to keep doing instead of seeing a new doctor. Um, but like I said, with, with 30 to start and 50 by the end, um, it wasn't even 50 the whole year. It was 50 by the end of the year. That was a, a, a almost a 21% savings. But what about the 2022 numbers, 2023 numbers? Are you looking at more than 50% participation? Yes. Um, I don't I don't have those numbers in front of me because I'm not in the district now. But yeah, they're over 50% now. Um, the second year, we actually had a little tougher year as far as claims go. Uh, we had you know some high claim things come through, but it was still another $2 million savings and and uh 18% savings on the on the second year but this third year that's ending here this summer that's ending in in July the end of July um is projecting it really is projecting really well um the Cleveland news just actually did a story on the school district and the numbers they were showing were that for the three years that it was uh, over nine million dollars so this is a 10 million dollar plan that you save two to three million a year on uh, just by basically going direct and having a better medication plan. Yeah, is it? It's, what's amazing about this, Ron, is as you know, um, is that we were able to give better service, better care, um, use better facilities. Like I said, I wasn't even familiar with doctor ratings. I didn't know that was anything anyone could get. But um, we were able to send people to the best possible facilities. A lot of those, since we knew who the best facilities were, we tried to um, direct contract with them for a reasonable rate that was mutually beneficial. And on top of that, you know, we're sending people to the best possible place and saving money at the same time. So, I mean, if you can get something better for less, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. Absolutely. Now, now let's tease out the difference between surgery and specialists. Yes. Your surgery you went direct with, did you find a local surgery center that did the surgery at wholesale or did you just negotiate a rate with the local hospital? No, um, 
our local hospitals are are uh, owned by big hospitals and uh, they weren't interested in negotiating, you know, so their their prices are much higher. Now, mind you, uh, we have a very I don't want to use any names because I might have employee. I may have families members that are employees there, but um, there's a very large hospital in the Cleveland area who advertises their number one in cardiology. They're very good in cardiology. Uh, I think they're number one in cardiology and number one in billing, but um, they're very expensive. But if someone had a cardiology issue at our school district, we would send them to the best place regardless of the price. But, you know, for example, orthopedic, uh, the, the best place really by far at the ratings is not one of the larger hospitals, but a smaller group of orthopedic surgeons. Um, and, and we use them and we negotiate a direct price with them. So um, we get better outcomes at substantially less, often half, um, some cases more than half uh, savings from what the big hospital systems would do. Yeah. And the independent surgery centers that I'm aware of, we had three on the show, but I'm aware of overall, most of them make a claim that they have basically a zero infection rate. They have basically zero readmissions, zero complications. And uh, that can jack up a surgery pretty quick when you have, you know, when they start coding for complications and that really often don't even exist. It's just a, uh, code they add on. We had a hospital CEO of 23 different hospitals tell us that upcoding is very common and it's automated. It's built into the software. They don't, uh, there aren't actual complications, say in the labor and delivery, but they claim there are and they get a better rate. Yes. I, I know that's true. Many games. Yeah. We actually, we actually, the first year that I would, the first year we had this program, there was a, because a case study um, has been out, we, we had two knee replacements the first year and the first one, uh, went through the first one was actually should have been more complicated, um, but they went through the nurse navigation system we had, and they went to the highest rated hospital, and it was a redo with some complications. So it was more than a normal knee replacement, but it was uh, I, I think it was about thirty eight thousand dollars altogether, um, and that was a total the total package. That was everything. That was rehab, anesthesiology, everything. And the large hospital system they went to, um, unfortunately, there was an infection. There was actually short hospitalization about the infection, and the person was off work twice as long as the first one, and our bill was $108,000 for that knee replacement. So $70,000 difference, you know, in school terms, that's a that's a teacher's uh, salary and benefits for a year. You know, when you start looking at this, if you were like king for a day and you didn't have collective bargaining, you would have just sort of ripped the Band-Aid off and done direct for everybody because, you know, they, yes, they would lose their doctor, but you could probably still go back to the doctor and negotiate a cash rate for that doctor. It wouldn't be DPC, but it would at least be, you know, a fair number instead of a, a hyped up number. Yeah, I agree. If you're, you know, in a, in a non-union state or a right to work state, I think that's something you could do because it probably, if you look at your employees, especially if it's, it, I mean, it might be tougher, like, you know, I think you're in Dallas, um, you know, there's all kinds of facilities, but if you're in a smaller town, you probably have a lot of your employees are going to the same, you know, same group of doctors or the, you know, a lot of them probably share the same positions. So if you did go to direct primary care, you probably could negotiate a cash price with those people. What is, what, what was your happiest day as superintendent when you started getting involved in the nitty gritty of these plans? What, what, what was there a wake up call and you just said, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I think that, well, uh, there, it was kind of, it was kind of gradual sort of step-by-step. Step. I guess I kind of got ratcheted up on that. 
I'll be honest. I said, I, I have a doctorate degree. I have, you know, I was in school a long time uh, as, you know, as superintendents, you, you just are by then, by the time you have that license and that type of thing. And I don't even know that I even had a single lecture on health, on health care, on health insurance. So you come into the position and I'm totally dependent on our broker who I didn't hire, you know, who, who I inherited, who everybody says, oh, they're great. And you think, okay, good. And they're handling, you know, the number two line item, you know, that you're in charge of and you're doing it on blind trust. And my experience has been that, you know, the, these are generally good people. It's just that they have misaligned incentives, you know? So, and that's, that's really where the problem is. And I think that what I've run into so far in these seven months, you know, school districts are, I think one of the hardest things is accepting that maybe your broker who you, who you really like, who maybe, you know, stops by and drops off donuts or takes you golfing or whatever it is that uh, they're great guys um, that they maybe aren't, you know, looking out for your best interest. And so I think that relationship part is probably one of the hardest things for a, you know, a public sector leader to change because, you know, you have to admit that maybe they're maybe they're not working in your best interest. Well, we uh, we had a school district, one of the smallest and poorest in Texas, on a couple of months ago, and Dr. Ben Clinton put in a plan like this uh, because about a third of the employees weren't participating because the deductibles were too high in the Texas Retirement System Health Plan. Mm. It was it was a non-starter for a third of them. They just you know they're bus drivers, they're cafeteria workers, and they are not making enough to worry about a fifteen hundred or twenty five hundred dollar deductible, so they just dropped out of the plan. And they're effectively uninsured. Yeah, they're we call them functionally uninsured. They have a plan, they can't use yeah. it, so they just drop out. So they're uninsured. And the the hundred percent of them are now insured. Their costs are dropped markedly. And they just did a few things. They just did primary care and a couple other things. They weren't even touching the meds, the surgery, the uh the direct contracts with the other ecosystem, like the uh imaging. So it was really um, now two years later, they're doing all of that. And 130 school districts have now opted out of the TRS so they can follow the lead of this little tiny poor school district that uh, uh, is leading the way. Yeah, that's awesome. And and, that, and I think once somebody does it, I think that's kind of in our case, it uh, catches other people's interest because if a, if a sales rep comes in and tells you this, you know, you're going to probably meet it with skepticism. If you ask your broker about this type of system, they're obviously, <laughs> they're obviously not going to tell you it's a good idea to leave them and go to this. They're going to tell you, you know, the doom and gloom story. So I think it's hard for people to do it. But when someone does it, when someone has the courage to step out and do it, and they're, you know, very successful with it, I think that helps encourage other people. Your broker and the plan sponsor said, you know what, you're going to lose your job. You're going to look like a monkey. They sow fear, uncertainty, and doubt, the old FUD concept, and they're masters at it. And uh, you did not lose your job, indeed. You did not get uh, reprimanded by the board. You didn't get in trouble. You actually were a hero, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, I don't know if heroes <laughs> the word, but I was going to say, but it was, um, yeah, I mean, everything worked out. Everything worked out great. But, you know, it was really at, at um, it really isn't that much risk. Like I said, once you leave the other, I mean, if if worse comes to worse, you know, we had a, a, an exact replica of the CBA plan. And then we were trying to use this other one. There wasn't really any big risk of losing. You know, it was it was really a lot better chance that we would gain. And if it wasn't very successful, probably no one would really notice because we wouldn't have it wouldn't have cost us more money. It was going to save us less just based on the uh, 
prescription rebate, we would have got back. What about the um, number of members? How many how many employees work for the Ashtabula? Well, that we're on our insurance plan. I think uh, the last number I saw was uh, three eighty five, and then family members uh, would push it to close to eleven hundred. We're not talking about a big district, but it was. Uh, I said it was a substantial amount of money. You know, if you have nine thousand employees, you might think two point four million doesn't sound like that much. Well, no, it, it does sound like a lot because you're you're, about, you're talking about ten thousand per member per year was your cost. And you saved basically 2000 per member that participates, the half that participate. Did this plan cost you $2,000 per member? No, not even, not even close. No, not even close. <laughs> no. So, so you had to implement a DPC. You had to pay a monthly subscription that you, you had to pay. You didn't cost it. It didn't cost you anywhere near $2,000 per member. To, so it had, what was like, I'm trying to calculate the ROI for the school district on the spend of implementing this new plan B. Well, like, like I said, it was it was almost 21% the first year. It's It averaged 20% the first two years, and it looks like year three is going to be even more. And I think, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Ron, we pulled the Band-Aid off. If you did everybody at once, it would have been substantially more. So this was kind of just sticking your toe in the water and wading into it. We still saved that much money. And when you think 20%, that's 20%, a 20% decrease. But when you're when you're looking at, you know, as opposed to a eight or 10 percent increase, it's even bigger. Yes. So it's closer to 28 or 30 percent. Yes, exactly. And you're capping off. Those bumps aren't going to happen every year. They're going to stay. You're going to continue to make those savings as you proved over the next three years. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely so true. It's a, it's a cumulative bump. Yeah, it's not a one not a one time deal where you save money this one time. If it was only a one time deal, it still would have been worthwhile. <laughs> but the the beauty of it is you don't just save 20% one year, you save 20% every year. Now, the city manager of Ashtabula's wife either was a teacher or was an employee of this plan, and he got so excited that didn't he implement this uh, plan in the city? Yes, he did. You know, without getting into too many details with that, yeah, his wife is a teacher, and so he was um, actually on our plan, and they had a family member who had um, some, you know, they had to use our nurse navigation system, and uh, helped direct them through the process, and they had excellent results. Once he saw how the system worked, he wanted that for the city, and so the city switched over as well. And so now the city and the school district are both on that on that plan. And I'm going to assume they're happy. Yes, yeah, they're very happy. Uh, they saved a they have a much smaller budget, but uh, I know. At the point, I think they saved about four hundred thousand dollars the first year, but they have you know substantially less people. It's really a, a fairly small group of city workers. We're a pretty small town, so so the the big question, I guess, becomes when you now meet with your clients and they express fear, uncertainty, and doubt about making this switch. What do you tell them? Well, I I mean I can relate to that because that was that's where I was too when Bryce Pinebog, who was our you know was our advisor, who is now the advisor there you know, told us about this plan, I was thinking like, uh, yeah, that's, you know, I was just thinking the union's never going to go for this. You know, they're going to think, you know, you mess with the union's money or their benefits. They're not going to, they're not going to be very open to that. And I was wrong. Uh, the worst part of it was in my own mind. Cause when we met with them, the state representative that was there with our union presidents, uh, cause we have a, a union, a teacher's union and a classified union for, uh, for the other positions, bus drivers, custodians, secretaries, that type of thing. He didn't have any problem with it at all. He said, so so the so our union members can still opt to do what we negotiated. 
and this is an add-on option for them. Yes. And they said, not a problem. And so everyone was, they were fine. And the deductible went away. What was the deductible for the folks that stayed with the plan? Uh, I believe it's 2,500. Okay. So your guys didn't have 2,500. That went away. That's a, that's a, like getting a raise. It is. It absolutely is. And the same with, with prescriptions. Um, so we use a local pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy um, here for prescriptions. If you get prescriptions there and you're on our plan, there's zero out of pocket for that. And a lot of the prescriptions people get weren't, you know, super expensive anyway. They might've been, you know, blood pressure medication. It might've been $4 or $8 or something like that. But it's nice when you go through the drive-through at the pharmacy and they give you your medication and there's no cost. It adds up. Yes. Happy day. Okay. So uh, uh, does a teacher have to write a check or do they have a uh, deduction from their paycheck to participate? Yeah. It's a deduction from their paycheck. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure what they're doing with that now because they just got a new contract. But but the, but I'm going to assume that the plan B was less expensive monthly deduction than it is for the old plan. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because if they were on if they were on the plan B, there was they were only paying, I think, one hundred ninety nine dollars a month was all they were paying. Like I said, but they had the deductibles and the co-pays if you were on the traditional plan. So the people that are on the new plan, they pay nothing out of pocket at all. Well, so there you go. That's twenty four hundred dollars in pocket plus another twenty five hundred very true. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so two thousand. Let's call it two grand plus twenty five. Let's call it five thousand dollars that a typical employee that's in the direct plan saves a year. That's a substantial. That's a raise. They'd have to make you know what seven thousand to net five thousand. That's they just got a raise. Yeah. It's well. If you look at if somebody's making fifty thousand dollars, you know which is which is uh, if you look at the teacher pay scale, that's a, a pretty big chunk of them in that range. That's a that's a ten percent increase. Um, if you look at that way, you know it's a real high price that these folks pay yes. a premium to stay with the old yes. plan. Yeah, and if you, and if you're you know like you said, and, and you're talking that amount of money, if you are a cafeteria worker or you're a custodian or somebody who's who's making less money, who's an hourly employee, um, that savings is even greater. Yeah, I understand. Well, so so you now understand the fear that a, a potential mark pot in you know your client base is expressing, how do you answer that for them when they express that concern? I, you know, I try to direct them to what we did. There's really, there's really nothing to fear. I think that, like I said, most of my fears were in my mind, but when we did them, they really weren't. So I could ask them for specifics that they're concerned about and can address those. But um, for the most part, the school board's going to be absolutely fine with you saving a lot of money. Your employees are going to be perfectly fine with you um, saving them money and getting them better care. And the community is going to be perfectly fine with you not asking for a tax increase um, to cover the cost of the rising health care every year. So there's really it's really pretty safe. There's really not a whole lot to be afraid of. The brokers, like you said, they're masters at trying to create fear and doubt. And, you know, they'll say things, you know, like, um, if you leave this consortium, if you leave this group, you're never going to get the discounts we're giving you. You're never going to get those. Well, I'll give you an example with MRIs. Our MRIs at our local hospital are uh, four to $5,000 for an MRI. Right now, it's $750. The uh, imaging center that we use, it's uh, the highest rated imaging center. That's our, that's our cost for an MRI there. So would you rather pay $750 with no discount? Or would you rather pay $5,000 with a 30 or 40% discount? Yeah, discount on what? Yeah, right, that's the trouble. You don't know what the discount is of. The discount of, yeah. of a really ridiculously inflated price. 
Um, do, did you all track outcomes, health outcomes, or is that did ER visits drop? Did uh, people have more visits with PCPs? What what outcomes did you measure, or did you? Yeah, they are they are tracking those numbers. They were they were trending in a good way because we were trying to make everything as easy as possible. And like I said, with the nurse navigation, you had someone who could help walk you through. You know, especially when you had a if there was a crisis, if there was a cancer detection or a a diagnosis that was scary. It was really nice to be able to call the nurse navigator and have them walk you through and send you to the best places instead of just kind of being lost out there in the dark, trying to feel your way through. Yeah, that's terrific. And people don't have to travel to Indiana to get surgery. They can get it right there in Cleveland. Yes. Yeah. So we, yep. So we, um, we do it close by. I know one thing, one thing with cancer, because there's so many misdiagnoses with cancer, you know, we always have a second opinion on those before we get started. And um, there's been cases with our uh, nurse navigators, um, not in our, not in our school district, but I know in uh, locally where they've, you know, they've sent people to the Mayo Clinic, you know, in Minnesota, or they've sent people to a specialty hospital where they could get the best possible care for if, it, if it's an, a, a, an abnormal procedure where nobody local has really done a lot of. Yes. We had an early guest of ours was a guy named Ron Vianu, and he has a company, I'm looking up the name right now, that is called Covera Health. Uh, Walmart hired them, and what they do is they made an assumption and, and proved out that a lot of radiology reads are done by people that aren't expert in that specific area of the radiology, and they misread a lot of, uh, of imaging. And so what they do is they basically have radiologists that are specialists that read all the imaging to make sure that it's done accurately and precisely and that you don't have front end mistakes like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, before you, you know, before you put someone through chemotherapy or, or that type of thing, which, which could kill them by itself, we better be sure that, um, you know, better be sure that you have what they think you have. Well, um, what did I miss? Is there something I didn't ask? I should have asked. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I appreciate what you do, Ron, uh, because, you know, healthcare is truly fixed and people just need to know about it. And um, so what you're doing with the podcast, if, you know, if there's anybody out there who's uh, who's a leader in the public sector, uh, who's a school leader or a community leader, um, a municipality leader, um, and you have a traditional plan, you, you can probably do so much better. So what I would what I would ask you to do as someone who wants to be, obviously, if you're in that position, you want to be a good steward of the taxpayer money that you've been entrusted with, and you certainly want to take care of your employees and make sure that they're getting the best possible care. So what I would suggest is to at least check it out, check with someone and have them run numbers for you and see what you could do. If what you have right now is already the best then good for you, you just have another person verifying that what you're doing is the best. If it's not the best, then um, you obviously are going to want to do better. So that would be my suggestion. Um, most of us uh, in these positions well, really are pretty uh, health insurance illiterate. And, um, you know, we know we look at the numbers and see, you know, how much is the increase going to be next year and what am I going to have to cut? But as far as getting into the details, you know, it's not something that we have a lot of training in. And so I just think that people should really check it out for the betterment of the people that they're representing, the community they're representing or the district that they're representing uh, because uh, there are far better things out there than what the traditional plans have been in the past. Well, Mark, I'm gonna give you, and I know Bryce will be listening to this show, 
uh, a golden ticket. You can at any time bring a client on that wants to give their outcomes and their their cost savings story uh, on this show. This show celebrates advanced primary care and virtual primary care and direct primary care. And it it's really, uh, we have counted just from guests on this show, 25 million members nationwide. That's that's not small, you know, considering there's 179 million self-insured uh, working for self-insured, but uh, 25 million is growing by a million to 2 million every year. So this is a movement that is being driven by, in your case, desperation. And in a lot of cases, people that are just fed up, they're sick and tired. Yes, absolutely. You know, these, you know, eight to 10 to 12% increases um, every year, just not sustainable. You know, it, it really has to stop. And 400,000 under the table stinks too. And there's a lot more than 400,000. There's 17 different fees that the advisors were pocketing before the transparency rules came out that um, a couple of insiders told me about. I said, oh, I totally believe that. And so thank goodness for the transparency rules. And, um, you know, some of the states are passing passing laws now, as Ohio just did. It's ironic. If people want to reach out to you and find you, Mark, what's the best way? They could certainly find me on LinkedIn if they want under Dr. Mark Potts, or I could I could give an email address. They could reach me at mark.potts, so it's M-A-R-K period P-O-T-T-S 831 at gmail.com. And I, I'd be happy to uh, I'd be happy to talk to them or help direct them, you know, to someone who could uh, help put them in a, in a better place. Like I said, I'm, I'm someone who's who's uh, gone through the process. So, um, you know, I could certainly talk to them about any fears or any stumbling blocks they might foresee. But, yeah, I, it's just something I think everybody needs to do. Once once you do it, you can't imagine ever going back. Well, you know how the show ends because you've listened to it before. How would you or what would you say on a banner you could fly over America? It'd have to be a really big banner, Ron, because I talk a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> I just think people just need to check for themselves. So I think they have have somebody check their check their plan, check their numbers. You know, Dave Chase has a plan grader out with uh, Health Rosetta. Have someone take a look at their plan and see where they could do better because they most assuredly, if they have a traditional plan, they could probably do better and save an awful lot of money. Yeah, that's a perfectly good banner. All right. Well, Mark, we look forward to you bringing your future clients on the show and Bryce doing the same. And uh, thank you. This, these are really my favorite kind of shows to do because they're on the ground evidence that this is not a fantasy. Right. Exactly. All right, Mark. Thanks again. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One Go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.